We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Roadwire NFL podcast. I'm your host, John McCagney, joined as always by Mario Puig. We are sponsored and presented by our friends over at WinBet. We got a lot to get to today. Obviously, it's been roster cut down week across the NFL. And also, Mario and I have been participating in the prestigious fantasy pentathlon put on by, by Derek Van Riper. We, we put a hold on it last year, but it's back uh, for this year. A lot of big names, a lot of fun uh, people in that league, you know, Scott Pianowski, Davis Maddox, Sammy Reed, bunch of good, good uh, players in there, a lot of sharp players in there. So we'll get into our super flex auction that Mario and I participated in earlier on in this week. So uh, again, a ton to get to here. Uh, Mario, I want to kick things off. Um, we've seen some slight changes, some shifts, some adjustments to kind of outlooks for, for given teams position groups over the last week or so and I think Indianapolis is kind of one I where I want to start in light of the T.Y. Hilton injury so uh, with that in mind first of all how good are you feeling about your Paris Hilton share or not Paris Hilton uh, very good John yeah yeah, you gotta be Uh, yeah I'm doing well guys I caught a red eye this morning but um yeah Paris uh Paris Campbell how you feeling oh fine I mean I stopped getting more shares whenever that Wentz news came down because I already had a bunch and I, I still probably have a lot more than most people. I think he's, uh, you know, hopefully less dependent on good quarterback play than the guys who might run further downfield, not to rule out Paris Campbell going downfield. Cause he actually might be their best deep threat, especially with Hilton out. So uh, the idea that Campbell is strictly an underneath guy isn't true, but uh, in that capacity, he's definitely good. And hopefully uh, Wentz on one leg, Eason, whoever it is, can get him those routes. And if, if he can get anything going further than like 12 yards downfield, that'll just be gravy. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a con- I think it's more of a concern. Uh, I'm still more concerned for Pittman. Like I don't, I don't have Pittman ranked higher than Campbell because of Hilton getting hurt or, uh, you know, uh, Pascal getting where I had Hilton. It's not, I'm not really responding to that way. It's just like, Pascal and Pittman are the same guys to me. Campbell's the same guy to me. Campbell was the only one I was buying. Um, even among Hilton, he was the only Col- the Campbell was the only Colts receiver I was buying uh, for the price because I, j- I just didn't. 
I, I see bad vibes with Carson Wentz, and and so yep. I, I was going kind of with what I thought was the cheapest and also best option, but uh, don't need any more exposure there. Okay, no, that's a, that's a fair summation. Um, yeah, I could definitely see where there's just kind of a knee jerk reaction, especially with so many people drafting this coming weekend in their in their home leagues. You know, we're coming down to the the final stretch of draft season. Could see some people just kind of. Noticing that T.Y. Hilton's going to be missing time and just kind of jump at the, at the opportunity to, to go after Michael Pittman, but you wouldn't advise you know, pump, bumping him up too, too much then? I mean, if he had been going all this time at the same ADP as Hilton and Campbell, even I might have had some Pittman shares, but taking him in like the eighth round or wherever he always goes is just total non-starter to me. I, I, I don't really even know what the reasoning is supposed to be i can't imagine it in any sense <laughs> well no and and you've been consistent on the, on that throughout so we we don't have to uh dive any further into that also meant to give you kudos uh, i i screenshotted your tweet yesterday and, and put it out there but your tweet also obviously deserves uh the faves as well but um among the, those roster cuts uh tyron johnson someone that we talked about is kind of a, a a guy to keep on your dynasty radar and, and maybe in your best ball radar, especially in, in deeper, uh, you know, bigger roster type of formats. He gets cut by the chargers, uh, ends up getting picked up by Jacksonville. Uh, what's your reaction there on, on both sides, both how does Tyron Johnson fit in potentially with Jacksonville's receiving core, a lot of names there, a lot of kind of different types of, of receivers that, they, that they've assembled there. And then also, uh, when it comes to the Chargers, I thought that was a weird one for for them to let him go. Yeah, I can't really get any credit for Tyron going to Jacksonville because it's not like I foresaw him getting cut by the Chargers in the first place. But I'm off the Chargers offense now. I want nothing to do with it. Keenan Allen and PPR aside, I guess because he's still a beast. But that's the slowest offense in the league. And Staley doesn't know what he's doing. He can't evaluate talent. He's making that team worse. He might be a good like strategist. Uh, scheme or whatever but if you keep making your players worse over any given sample it doesn't matter what kind of genius you are and uh, there's no reason to think he's the next you know obviously he's a defensive coach not an offensive coach but there's no reason to think he's especially with Joe Lombardi as his offense coordinator the last time that guy was an offensive coordinator he ran the Lions offense into the ground and uh, he he's the only guy who managed to make Calvin Johnson unproductive like he made Joel Lombardi's offense made Calvin Johnson less productive than Golden Tate. That's the guy in charge of this offense, which is the slowest in the league. I like Herbert. I don't think he's bad or anything, but I think they're setting him up for failure by putting Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams on the field. Week one against Washington, I bet he gets hit a lot. Man, okay. That's a that's a drastic change. I mean, that, I feel like we had either been relatively optimistic or, or very optimistic depending on, on the week when it comes comes to the chargers offense but man I, I think those details that you just mentioned uh you know that obviously the the detail regarding the offensive coordinator uh concerning of course and then and his track record so i don't know it, what seemed like a one of the home run hires of this offseason with the chargers linking up with with you know probably the maybe trendiest uh coordinator uh, on the market th this past uh, coaching cycle. And now it feels like this could be a failed experiment from the start. I guess their defense could be good right away. But if, if you want to play slow, you're going to get red zone defense at your own 20. And there's a reason why we try to make the safeties get back. It doesn't get easier when the safeties are in your face every single play, especially like think of this. Mike Williams is their deep threat. 
and he's slow. He's not a fast deep threat. He takes a long time to get to the part of the field, and he's not useful before this part of the field either. He he gets useful at like 20 yards downfield. He can't do anything before then, right. and it takes him longer to get there than almost any other receiver who's in a similar function to him. That's a long time for Herbert to sit and wait and hope no one gets through that line. It's going to totally be an opposite dynamic from last year when he had a lot of Tyron Johnson and even Jalen Guyton running clearing routes and if you want to just see what happens with a Mike Williams Josh Palmer clearing route uh it's I, I'm not gonna say like Herbert will be bad but he's not going to get the touchdown percentage that he had last year he's gonna get hit more than he got hit last year and I think we're looking at a very plausible scenario where Keenan Allen uh stays like I don't, I don't want to call him like inefficient because he was good, but Herbert stopped being able to land those deep throws and he started just throwing it at Keenan Allen because he couldn't figure out what what else to do. And defenses were sitting on Keenan Allen because they're like, hey, Herbert's not throwing it anywhere else. And so that's why Keenan Allen's got all these games with like 14 targets for eight catches and 60 yards in the second half of last year. I think he's looking at an entire season of that. And I still like Keenan Allen in PPR because I still think he'll catch hundred plus passes. Right. But I'm worried it'll be for like a thousand and fifty yards. Yeah. I mean, it, all those details in mind, I mean, I already, I already felt like it wasn't a great receiving core that, that, that they had um, in Los Angeles, but, but taking Tyron Johnson out, out of that equation and taking that speed dynamic out. And then um, if you would just quickly set the record straight on Josh Palmer because it because I feel like people might chase him just after seeing you know where he gets drafted coming from an SEC school uh, you know potentially having that that immediate role in this Chargers offense set the record there well I guess he's worth picking in a lot of formats and especially best ball because even though I even though Palmer I guess might play something like 700 snaps I I don't think he'll be um someone that you want in your starting lineup in redraft unless I guess maybe Allen got hurt something like that but uh he doesn't do anything very well <laughs> he's not good and I I know that a coach like Staley thinks he sees something and thinks he knows better and he may well be onto some particular thing some little uh technique that is called for in this particular scheme and maybe it's legitimately helpful to have that but he's fixating on whatever it is that he thinks he sees and he's ignoring all the other details which matter more. And specifically, I'm talking about Josh Palmer was a below, far below baseline player last year for Tennessee as a fourth year player. He wasn't as old as some fourth year players. Like he's, I don't think he turns 22 for like a few days here. Um, but he was a fourth year player. And before then, he was behind Jawan Jennings and Marquez Calloway. And I know people are kind of convincing themselves that Callaway's like a star receiver or something, but he's probably not. And Josh Palmer was worse than him. It was to be fair when Jawan Jennings and uh, Marquez Callaway were there, Josh Palmer was above baseline in that say scenario as the wide receiver three though. And when the spotlight got put on him the next year, he fell through the floor. He was a drain on the offense. Uh, Vilas Jones or whatever his name is, the freshman Tennessee receiver. They were both above baseline. Palmer was dragging the passing game down and he had a few good games. I mean, it was, it was largely dragged down by a few really bad games, but that makes sense. It's like defenses adjusted to what he was doing. They started sitting on the routes that he could catch in the beginning of the year. Like I think he had a big game against South Carolina or something like that. And then they stopped the, the plays stopped happening and people who 
rationalize that terrible Josh Palmer pick in the third round, like to say, like, oh, but the Tennessee quarterback play was so bad. Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway didn't need that excuse. Velas Jones and the freshman last year didn't need that excuse. Why does Palmer, as a fourth-year player, need that excuse? And why, as a guy who with four five five, four five seven kind of speed, do we think that there's any upside here? There isn't. He might be an okay player. He might give you some like decent reps, but he's a wide receiver four or five on a good team, and this isn't going to be one. Man, okay, all right. There, there it is. There's the Juwan Tennant Jennings uh, take there, and and. I do agree with, with the people that say that Tennessee's uh, quarterback play was atrocious, but oh, totally. that, 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 that doesn't um, absolve the, the sins like you mentioned when it when it comes to uh, Palmer just being. Uh, he still that, was below yeah. the line that that poor quarterback play was. You know, it's like those other guys weren't below the line. It was only him. And... Right. And, and no one else. I mean, none of those other guys got drafted as, as highly as him. Correct. Right. So. Callaway went undrafted, even though he's a better athlete and was more productive. Juwan Jennings got the seventh round pick, but yeah, he's he's not unless he's making it happen at tight end. He's probably not an NFL player, really, but good college player, I guess. Yeah, no, he, he was pretty fun uh, there for, for a minute. So uh, that'll do it as far as uh, the, the Chargers discussion is concerned and or I guess tying it off. How do you see Tyron Johnson uh, fitting in Jacksonville? Well, we'll see if he even stays there. They could cut him for all I know. Uh, I'm not sure what Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer thinks he's doing at receiver, but he clearly wanted to get some speed there. Tyron Johnson was the number one receiver recruit in his draft, uh, his recruiting class. And uh, I'm guessing Meyer remembers him. And if, if Meyer wanted downfield speed, Tyron Johnson should be able to give him that. I guess to be fair, there is possibly some sort of off field complication with Tyron Johnson. Like, I don't know if coaches just hate him like don't like him as a person or something i know that staley was apparently getting mad because he was talking too much trash in joint practices but uh if if there isn't anything more substantial than that then i i guess defer to tyron johnson's talent which i think is beyond any real question and uh i don't know i guess I still think DJ Chark is unchallenged as the the downfield guy there, but at least Tyron Johnson gives them a second player who can run further than 20 yards. Like a lot of people are thinking like, Oh, LaVisca Chenault's the next Des Bryant. It's going to be him. No, LaVisca's Mm. LaVisca's like a rich man's Muhammad Sanu. And I know people don't want to hear that, but Muhammad Sanu was good. Being a better version of him is fine. It's, it's not an insult. Um, But that downfield part was a place only Chark could get to Jones. Couldn't really go beyond the intermediate either. So having Tyron there, um, I don't think he's going to steal snaps from Chark, but at the very least, if Marvin Jones is nicked up or something, I would imagine Tyron takes the field in that case. Okay. All right. So that's definitely something to, to keep an eye out for uh, in Jacksonville. And then uh, we do have a uh, viewer question here from Brandon Reed. Could Ramondre Stevenson pop off for New England in week one? What say you? Well, I'm definitely a lot more optimistic about Stevenson's chances now that they cut or sorry, traded to Sony Michelle. Right. So very different scenario after that move. And even if Bill Belichick is still stingy toward rookie running backs, it's he's only, you know, a Damian Harris injury away at the the very most. So I I guess there's a chance that if he can get his foot in the door, he can kind of keep it there and kind of like, carve out a little more room as the season goes on but in week one it seems like it's maybe asking a lot to me I also don't really expect a New England I don't know I don't know how I expect that game to go I 
I should say, like, obviously, I was surprised by Cam Newton being cut, but uh, or I was surprised that they named Mac Jones the starter. I actually did think they would have to cut Cam Newton if they named Mac Jones the starter. I'm surprised they took it that way. Maybe the vaccine thing had something to do with it. I don't know. But the team is worse in the meantime, and I know people are seeing it the opposite way in the wrong. The, the Patriots didn't name Mac Jones the starter because he's the better player now. They named him the starter because there were a handful of political and logistical considerations to make, and they were legitimate. I'm not saying they're wrong for like choosing to try to develop Mac Jones and make this his team and just see where it goes because he's a really good prospect, I think. Um, but in the meantime their probability of extending drives and scoring points has gone down. So I'm a little concerned about that Miami matchup. Um, I think it might be a bit of a sluggish game for their offense. And uh, if they, maybe if they run the ball like 40 times, then Stevenson gets in, but otherwise I think they're going to have to give as many uh, reps as possible to Harris, who who is definitely better in the meantime than Stevenson, I think. Yeah. I I think week one would be a bit, um, a bit aggressive to, to start, Stevenson in your redraft leagues obviously if you've been stashing best ball shares then you don't have to worry about that necessarily but um, I I don't think that week one rookie non-first round running back is even with the the runway being cleared for him having a role and potentially having that that goal line role I still don't think that uh, in in most formats most like 10 12 14 team home league even um, that you're going to really feel the need to to put Stevenson over someone that you drafted in the first 10 rounds. I should have checked. I didn't, I, I can't look at the moment, but if Brandon Bolden made the team, I would be very worried about him running ahead of Stevenson. Oh, the, Brandon Bolden, the inconvenient it's truth. What he does. Apparently. It's what he's for. <laughs> right. Uh, unreal. Um, let's see. Let's get on over to Detroit. Um, so w- of the, of the other notable cuts uh, from this week, uh, what was already kind of a shaky Lions pass catching group became even more anonymous, I, I guess, if nothing else, with, with the uh, decision to cut uh, Brashad Perriman earlier this week. So really, um, as it stands right now, Detroit is just running with they're going zero wide receiver uh, as as their own NFL football team. It's very a uh, bold choice what, what they're doing in Detroit. But I mean, is there anything to to take away from that, from that move, when it comes to anyone moving up, uh, moving down, Tyrell Williams, Amonra St. Brown, Quintez Cephas, um, anything like that? I can't really see it changing much for Tyrell or Amon Ross St. Brown. And if they do give Amon Ross St. Brown reps outside ahead of Cephas, A, I'd be surprised. B, I don't think he'll do very well with them. Like St. Brown had some pretty concerning workout numbers. And I know they're not everything, but it's really bad when you have poor workout numbers as a smallish receiver it's like if you're, if you're 220 you can go ahead and run a four five eight who cares but uh if you're 197 or whatever st brown was at the pro day track and you're running a four six one like you don't really want that's almost like isaiah ford territory and isaiah ford was a really good college player before he turned yep. out to not be any good in the nfl and i think st brown will be better than that probably by quite a bit but people are taking him not just not just first among the Lions receivers, but like way ahead of Tyrell and they dodged a bullet, I guess, and credit to them for taking St. Brown instead of Perriman all this time. But I still yeah. don't think it's going to be a good pick for its own part. And um, in any case, Cephas has been running ahead of St. Brown in two wide sets. And that makes sense. And I don't even know why Cephas works outside being slow as he is, but uh, it's like, he really, he really is good at just um, 
almost like the Marvin Jones kind of routes, but Marvin Jones was kind of fast, so it's a little bit of a stretch, but all the same. Cephas is just explosive enough to, for some reason, work on the outside, on the sideline, up to like 15 yards. And yeah, you're not giving him fly routes exactly, but that's what Tyrell Williams and apparently Khalif Raymond are for. So uh, I think Cephas could actually, I mean, for the price, he's almost my favorite option in that receiving group because he can definitely play. And and I guess you might even say like because of his lack of speed, he should stay in the part of the field where Goff can throw it. Like Goff might just see Tyrell 25 yards downfield and say, I can't do that. Where's everybody else? <laughs> and Cephas might be there. Oh, that's a you no. Know, that's a really good point. His uh, skill set could definitely mesh mesh with Goff. You know, we we obviously know that Goff not the greatest uh, downfield passer for sure. So it's funny to see how much of the St. Brown hype is specifically like Jared Goff can't throw it more than four yards, so they have to give him. Uh, I like want if, all if of it. Brown, yeah, if St. Brown catches eighty passes, it's going to be for like six hundred and fifty yards or something. Yeah, and like two, two, maybe three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So PPR is interesting but it, like an underdog when he's he's been going like the 13th round all off season like i i have if if we were doing like a devy thing from like two years ago when it was still just like five star amon ross st brown that would have made more sense but yeah he's he's got a thin line between whatever he's gonna be and what isaiah ford turned out to be man okay yeah so that very different than yeah like like you were saying a year or two ago yeah going into last year he was definitely one of our uh top receiving prospects but you know things have obviously changed uh since then uh one last uh roster shakeup thing to get to before we we uh, get to recapping um that salary cap draft over um in the in the uh, pentathlon so the irv smith injury uh necessitated the vikings to make a move at, at tight end now they've got both tyler conklin and and chris Irvin um herndon. chris herndon sorry yeah i'm all over the place today uh but when it comes to to Herndon, as a one-time truther, what's going on? Um, I thought he looked really busted last year. It's hard for me to know. He he also has had a pretty long injury history, even going back to Miami. Like he didn't do any pre-draft testing for his draft before the Jets took him in the fourth round because he had some kind of busted ligament or another. I don't know what. Uh, when I watched him last year, a he looked checked out. B, he was blocking a lot more than he was previously. And C, he looked very slow. Like, uh, I I basically didn't recognize him. So I don't know if he was playing hurt. Uh, I guess he could just be bad. I don't really know. He was productive as a pass catcher before last year. And uh, if, if there ever was something, I guess it could come back. But in that particular offense and with Irv Smith not expected to miss the, he's, is he expected to miss the whole year? I guess I didn't follow it's, it's up on a, that. It's a pretty lengthy recovery yeah, for, for the meniscus. Cause he, he's not getting the one with the quicker recovery. He's getting the, like the complete. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, I can't hate the Herndon pick exactly, but I think the way I'm building my teams at this point, I, I just wouldn't really be in a market in the market for a tight end uh, where I'd need to take him. But if he's healthy, I think he's a pretty good player. It's it's just uh, I'm a little worried in the meantime that he's he's going to be, I don't know, like 70% of the Irv Smith role rather than the entirety of it because Herndon, even if he's decent, still probably isn't particularly close to Smith's level. So it, I agree with that. And I, I think uh, if you were to like paint, paint like a, a positive case for, for Herndon, 
it would be a look at at this Vikings offense where the the target tree is pretty narrow. I mean, obviously Justin yeah. Jefferson, and Adam Thielen, and, and and Dalvin Cook are going to be uh, comprising a really high percentage of those targets. But we know that Kirk Cousins has used a tight end in the past. Uh, this is an offense that that uh, you know uses them in, in routes. So do we think that if we squint hard enough that you know we we do end up seeing that case? I mean, re- regardless of of your roster builds. Yeah, I mean, especially in like two court, uh, two tight end leagues, what can't really think of anybody is eligible in that kind of yeah. format. Uh, so, as a as a former late round Chris Herndon advocate who uh, is somewhat disillusioned after last year and is kind of like increasingly concerned with his injury history, I, I don't want to recommend it exactly, but I I don't think it's like a criticizable gamble to take. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that definitely. Uh, makes some sense there. All right, before we get on over to our pentathlon recap for the for our Superflex salary cap draft, uh, we got a quick message from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, Mario. So let's break this down. It was a lot of fun. We we had uh, it, we did it Monday night. Uh, Twelve teamer, uh, two hundred dollar budget for this one. And again, the the starting uh, lineups have two or a quarterback and a super flex in addition to having to start um, a pair of tight ends. And then it's pretty standard from there. Um, 
and and the the scoring itself is 0.5 PPR as well. So a lot of a lot of sharp players in that room, like we mentioned before. So Mario, leading things off, looking at, at how your roster uh, shaped up. So at quarterback, you have Trevor Lawrence, uh, you have Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, Alvin Kamara, James Robinson. Johnny Smith, Gerald Everett, DJ Chark, and Tyrod Taylor, um, as with Trey Lance, sorry, as, as your um, er, as your quarterbacks, and you also have Jared Goff. Uh, we'll we'll have to get to that in a moment. I got I got to hold your feet to the fire for for a moment <laughs> on that one. But um, either way, um, did you expect going into that auction to to build uh, your roster that way, especially in in a super flex league where quarterback, I think people can get almost too fixated. It feels like you almost went the other way um, and just went with guys that with that plausible upside um, and then married them up with, with some guys who just give you like a little bit of like passable floor and allowed you to really spend big at other positions. Yeah. The golf pick was an accident. I just, or not really an accident. I just thought someone would bid three dollars and they didn't someone yeah. nominated him at one and i bid two and then no one bid three yeah. on it. even though just getting uh, stuck price and force i him. had to bid three for tyrod uh i think bridgewater went for like seven or eight and ben roethlisberger went for like seven or eight so i, I was like oh golf should go for three or four and everybody disagreed so i i'm stuck with him for now i don't especially anticipate using him but whatever we'll see how it goes uh week one i know i'm i'm just apparently going with the the Jacksonville Houston stack and I I don't mind that at all as two stupid defenses that both teams are dumb enough to make their offenses bad too to be fair but uh yeah Tyrod Trevor Lawrence week one DJ Chark hopefully in there uh I like my chances enough of getting off to a decent start but nothing that I did was especially intentional I didn't know what I was doing like I don't know uh, I, I haven't done auction super flex as far as I remember. Like I've only done the Scott fish bowl, I think in that snake draft, of course. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I tried to keep an open mind and sort of do my best to just sort of watch for whatever looked like an opportunity to me. And I, I thought Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown price points were that, like I thought, uh, I think I got them both for like $32, something like that. And whereas like Alvin Kamara, I paid 52. So AJ Brown and Calvin Ridley to me are both, um, I don't know, like top 16, 15 kind of players. So getting them and Alvin Kamara, I know I'm lacking depth, but if I can, if I can have three of my, like one of my top three players and uh, an additional two in my top 15, 16, I I thought, you know, as long as I get start actual starting quarterbacks and, a little bit of like a running back lottery ticket here and there. I thought maybe it'll work, but uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, stars and scrubs is is definitely the, like the, the central thesis that that I work from when it, when it comes to building out a a football um, auction roster. Um, If you sit back too long and you just hammer the mid tier, you just end up getting a team that will get you into sixth place. Like you'll get a respectable team that way, but you're, you're lopping off your upside because you have to think about it in a way where do I really want a roster where if this was a snake draft, I would have no first, second or third yeah, round players, right. you know? So yeah. you have to just, even if it, it like stings to pony up X percentage of your budget left, 
you still need to remember that everyone else is doing that too. And you, you're going, there's a certain point where, where saving it ends up hurting you. So you need, you need to keep that in mind. Yeah. I might've take, taken it too far in the other way. Cause uh, I mean, we'll see. I don't, I don't have much at tight end, obviously. I, I like Johnny Smith a lot, but I don't even like Everett. I also accidentally ended up with Gerald. Everett. Yeah, I know you got some guys that uh, we, uh, you're on, on the uh, on Twitter record. Way least. higher than like I ever expect in every other draft and auction and, this is a two tight end league. I was like, I was like oh, so someone's going to bid like 12 on Gerald Everett. And I, I got him for four, which to be fair, I don't even dislike the prize. Like, I, That's I just, actually pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I don't even think he's good, but whatever. It's $4. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I did, I did not know what I was doing. And uh, I'll be pleasantly surprised if this team is any good. I think, I mean, with with what your stars have to offer right off the bat, with, with Ridley, with AJ Brown, with Kamara, uh, and then with James Robinson, we'll, we'll go back to him in a second. Like that, that's going to be tough for every, everyone to to contend with right off the bat. Um, it's just a matter of how your tight ends and your quarterbacks shake out. But I, I think yeah. what you did at the skill spots, um, really really strong core there, and then um, Jalen Waddle too. I mean, he's someone that maybe not week one. He he's uh, you know. I'm actually rolling with them week one because they oh, yeah. uh, they don't have Will Fuller and I I don't know it's probably it's probably not going to work but I'm I'm such a waddle truther I'm just you know you you haven't seen Doctor Strange Love yet have you No that's oh, that's one of the Kubrick movies that I've I've missed anyway, out on so far I'm the guy I'm the guy doing the cowboy thing flying out of the the plane you see most of my references i'm at least able to learn from the simpsons so there is an episode where, where uh, homer uh jumps on uh, on one of those and flies down and uh and it lands on like a bunch of uh beatnik uh hippies uh, it's a pretty good scene yeah um so yeah that's that's something you got to watch though it's the best movie ever we i am uh home once again this week and uh, i do believe we have that on, on dvd so i have to check that out but uh, we also have the Beavis and Butthead full collection, so I don't know. Nice. The, you know the. You know what the, else aged pretty well? Daria. Yeah, I enjoy it. like that's that's on a couple of streaming services. I, I've watched that a decent bit this past winter, and I was like, yeah, no, this is this holds up nice. They they, they got some from that into finally learning about King of the Hill, which is of course I, I feel stupid for taking twenty five years or whatever, but it that also rules. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's got some I can't dive into it with, with both feet the same way I do some of the other, uh, you know, like the Matt Groening Simpsons oh, or um, or Futurama. But uh, yeah, but um, yeah, King, King of the Hill, of course, is, is tremendous as well. I don't know you. That's my purse and so on. Um, <laughs> I like anyway. uh, Dale Gribble is just the best character from anything. Uh, he's a king. He's he's just phenomenal. Um, let's see. Anything else you wanted to add to your team uh, w- before we switch on over to to mine? Or actually, um, I did want to ask you about James Robinson. So obviously, the way that uh, the every auction to to quote Scott Pianowski is a snowflake. No auction um, is the same. So that you know, not only are they taking place at different times, but people just have different um strategies with, with how they're employing how they're attacking certain positions maybe someone goes up um in the bidding order much later than, than you would have expected and you end up getting a, a deal off of it i mean our dollar days there are some seriously good players um oh, still yeah. going going really late i was able to capitalize on that we'll get to that but james robinson <laughs> for I blew yeah. It. Um, but yeah i love <laughs> I mean you couldn't have seen it coming but james robinson 28 dollars. deandre swift right after him for 23 how do you feel about how that shook out? 
Um, well, it's half point PPR, and I would have bid more on Swift, but I already had Robinson, and I knew I didn't have enough funds to get into that one. Uh, I was hoping someone else would bid more, but I, I just didn't have enough money to do it. But I'm okay with Robinson at 29. I mean, there was there was no way to know what Swift would have gone for, and oftentimes in scenarios where not because anyone cares what I think or even knows what I think, but it just feels like so often in auctions when I wait for one particular pet target of mine that uh, I don't get them for the price that I think I will. And so in this, I tried to take more of a sort of like open-minded objective value assessment of the players. And I was like, I was probably looking at some other running back who I consider about as good as Robinson who went for like 35 and I, I kind of just rationalized on that basis. But yeah, if I, if I could get it back and switch to Swift for that price and have another $6 to spend on those, that insane spree of $1 bids at the end, that would have been nice, but I, I love James Robinson. I, I think he's the real deal. So I'm not exactly concerned about him. I'm just also high on Swift. If it had been PPR instead of half point PPR, that would have stung a little worse. Okay. I I think that that's about right. And and I think Swift right now is getting a bit of an injury discount. I think people are, are the closer we get to the season. Um, I think the more people are starting to get concerned that, that we're not hearing that he's, you know, fully hundred percent ready to rock that, that type of thing. Some other uh, running backs who went in that, in that similar tier, Gus Edwards, newly among that tier, of course, after uh, the unfortunate, J.K. Dobbins injury last weekend. Gus Edwards goes for 21. On the other end of that spectrum, Najee Harris goes for 39 to Pat Fitzmorris. Um, looking elsewhere, some of these other running backs, uh, Chris Carson also went for, for 23. Um, so same same uh, same bid as DeAndre Swift. And I got uh, Edwards Hilaire at, at 29. So that, that kind of gives you an idea of, of how those – how that – particular grouping of, of of running backs maybe they're not in the same tier depending on, on how you're looking at it but um that that's kind of how it shook out um as far as uh the the rb market is concerned yeah i uh took a i tried to take a couple lottery tickets at the end i was fortunate enough to get alex madison and malcolm brown as one dollar bids and i uh had to waiver bid three dollars on ty johnson after the draft but uh that's uh, it's kind of a shallow bench, I guess, for a league with so many starting spots. So, uh, I I don't have any particular expectation for this league because I've never really been in one like it. But uh, I don't know. I, I might it might just be ignorance in the meantime. But I I think this team could be okay. It's but I it's like one of those things. I need everybody to stay healthy f- for the most part. And well, the thing, the thing with the pentathlon in general is that, you know, this is only 20% of the, of the bottom line for you. So if you're able to do well in the spread, super, uh, spread best ball DFS component of it and survivor, uh, then, you know, you're fine. So if you're just like treading water, if you just like kind of hit a single, uh, as far as this, uh, super flex league is concerned that then you can still definitely be in the running, um, for the overall, uh, before we get on over to, uh, my squad here. We got a couple messages from our friends leading things off. Our friends over at WinBet. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's 
Fantasy Podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. You want to break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, all while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast we got a message also from our friends over at dynasty owner are you tired of the same fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so well if so dynasty owner has your back go to dynastyowner.com new leagues for the 2021 season are forming now dynasty owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real nfl player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy. Are you worried you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Don't worry. Dynasty Owner can help fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players. You can choose to start a league, join an existing, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, Go to DynastyOwner.com slash Rotowire. That's DynastyOwner.com slash Rotowire and start your dynasty today. And a message from our friends over at Sleeper. What do your fraternity brother Steve, Katie from work, and your grandma all have in common? They're all waiting for that invite to your fantasy football league. There is no better way to hang out, no easier way to talk smack, and no more customizable platform to host your fantasy league on this year than Sleeper. Whether you have a redraft or a dynasty league that has been around for 10 years, Sleeper has everything you need in one app. Incredible commissioner tools and customizations, built-in messaging, support for snake draft, auction draft, and best ball leagues, blazing fast news, stats, and scores, all in a beautifully designed mobile app and website that makes every other app feel like a horse and buggy. Sleeper is the fastest-growing fantasy sports platform for a reason, and all the cool commissioners are switching to Sleeper and not looking back. Don't just take my word for it. Download Sleeper on iOS or Android and see for yourself. You have nothing to lose. It's free. All right, Mario, we are back uh, getting into uh, my team from the uh, Superflex auction in the in the pentathlon. So this is something that I hadn't done just yet, and it, this wasn't like a, a full stack or anything necessarily. But it was a pairing uh, nonetheless, and I, I did want to make sure that I left this draft with at least one of what I consider to be an elite fantasy quarterback. Um, so Josh Allen ended up being that guy. Um, according to our, our auction values on the website, by the way, for, for any viewers, listener, listeners, customers, highly recommend those. Just plug in your, your league settings and it will kind of give you a, a much better guide that, than whatever hosting service you have. Uh, not to call out their, their um, projected au- auction values anywhere else, but it really, really tightens things up for you and allows you to see um, where the value is relative to, to the room um, that you're drafting against. And, and Alan, to me, seemed like a, a strong buy at 37. Um, and then, and then uh, after him, um, I got Stefan Diggs 
um, for a little bit over what what um, would have been expected. But I was cool with that just based on the fact that I was going to be pairing him with Josh Allen. And uh, I also led things off with, with Nick Chubb. And I basically went to the mat for Nick Chubb. Like I, I waited around for about half an hour before making my, my first uh, buy. I, w- I was in on a handful of players up until then. Um, but once we got past like the DeAndre Hopkins section, um, it, obviously the, this goes a little bit out of order, but uh, Chubb was this 26 person nominated. And, and at that point there was enough money off of other people's boards to where I felt like, okay, this is a, the time to dive in. It's a half point PPR league. I'm just going for it. So I, I ended up going uh, Chubb at 41. So, so my premier buys ended up being um, Chubb. Allen, Stefan Diggs, and I also mentioned uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for, for 29 a little bit earlier. So I think how's Andrews that, how's that start? A, I think Andrews is a premium buy, too, in this format. So, uh, yeah, I think your team's probably better than mine because it's a lot more balanced and has, like, actual leading upside at, at quarterback and tight end. And then not so much, not even really at much expense of receiver or running back. Um, yeah, I mean, having Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Mark Andrews, Chubb and Edwards Hilaire should be a pretty solid foundation. And that's not to skip the potential of like, I, th- I think people are really under acknowledging the probability that Melvin Gordon sort of just starts all year for the Broncos. And I, th- I don't know why he would start less late in the year than early. Like the idea that Oh, Javante Williams will of course start the second half. Like on what basis? Like when, why would we assume that? Why wouldn't should, if he's going to start in the second half, why can't he start the first half at the very least? Like, I don't, if anything, you should be more optimistic about Javante Williams. If you believe that, um, I don't personally believe it. And I I saw Teddy Bridgewater's comparing him now to Alvin Kamara. Uh, so he's Alvin Kamara and Nick Chubb and Marshawn Lynch and Michael Jordan, whatever else people have comparison wise. Um, surely he's one of those or something in between whatever. Uh, Gordon though is even in his slow down state, probably about as fast as Javante Williams. And he's played NFL running back a long time. They're paying him a lot. I think if they really wanted to put Gordon on the bench, they would have just cut him by now. So we'll see. But I, I think you could have Denver starting running back as a flex play in addition to Edward Tolaire and Chubb and didn't have to pay a whole lot for much of it. No, exactly. Yeah. He was, he was one of those end game guys that, that I was able to snag because I did get to a point in the auction where I needed that second quarterback again, that this is that super flex league. And I was relative to the amount of roster spots that I had left. I needed to save at least a few bucks for my second quarterback. And, you know, as you mentioned, some of the market pricing, uh, got a little bit wacky there for for a minute when you know guys like Roethlisberger um, are going for you know upwards of ten bucks, Bridgewater um, six dollars. So I was like, oh boy, like I I don't know if I have quite that much to to go after it. But um, even still, um, as I was waiting, basically that led to a lot more people getting down into their dollar days part of of the auction. So I was able to get a uh, car um, at the hundred sixtieth uh, nom for $3. And at that point, I still had about 20 bucks to play with for like five, five or six roster spots. So when people threw out guys like Melvin Gordon or threw out Jamal Williams for, for a dollar and hope that they could sneak them by, I just, it's not that I'm huge on either of those guys, but I just simply had the salary to, to make it work and end up 
uh, grabbing those guys. And they're, they're certainly useful. I mean, regardless of, of whether you yeah. think they're sexy plays or, or upside guys or whatever, they're still, you know, viable NFL running backs and guys that, that you can throw into your lineup when you need them. Yeah. Uh, my Jamal Williams criticisms were always within the, the very specific frame of, Oh, he's going to start ahead of Deandre Swift. He's going to make Deandre Swift only get like five carries a game. And that stuff's really funny, but of yeah. course <laughs> he is actually going to play and he is actually going to get the ball. Uh, and if he's priced according to the expectation that he's not starting ahead of Swift in any meaningful sense, then that's fine. You know, it's like, it, it was, it was almost like more a defense of Swift than even a criticism of, of Jamal Williams at any normal uh, at any reasonable price, which this certainly is. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. So, so yeah, no, that, that's a, a good summation of, of, you know, where you've been on Jamal Williams and his fit um, in Detroit. Before we, we finish out um, breaking down my team and a couple other uh, interesting uh, buys from the auction, um, our friend Ethan H wants to know better first round draft strategy with the sixth pick in a 10 man, Travis Kelsey, Zeke, or Devontae Adams? So nothing wrong with any of those guys, but I think I would almost lean Kelsey because maybe I got to think this through a little. Uh, a 10-team league versus a 12-team, that that like that raises kind of like the baseline scoring at tight end uh, relative to 12 because you got uh, two starters who would be a backup in this league, I would imagine. So if there's any margin of production between those you know like eight to 12 tight ends then maybe the you know maybe there's more leverage with the elite tight ends and if nothing else the replacement level at running back and receiver should also be higher in this league so uh nothing wrong with going Devonte or zeke but i think i might you know assuming like there's no kamara or something there no derrick henry i think i might go travis kelsey just because your second round running back option might look a lot like first round running back options and other leagues would you still go after is eckler still a, a high value second round pick net now so after what we talked said, about earlier yeah i should have said more clearly uh i'm not truly like i don't think like eckler's gonna have a bad year and keenan allen's gonna have a bad year it's more like I can't take him over the players that I would need to, to get him in a draft. But I, I think Eckler is a beast and I think he's going to have a really good year. Um, it's just more like, I don't, I'm not high enough on him to take a, take him ahead of Aaron Jones or somebody like that. Certainly not Jonathan Taylor. Um, but if you can get Eckler in the second round of a draft 10 team league or otherwise, I can't see that hurting. Although if it's PPR, maybe he doesn't get quite that far. If he does, mm -hmm. it, it makes it all that much more of an obvious, you know, I'm guessing there are a few really good running back options in the second and third round, but he, if he's there, could be the best one, I guess. Okay. And then, and then rounded it out again uh, for Ethan, uh, Kelsey would be uh, the, the Rotowire stamp of approval um, six pick in that 10 man format. Again, thank you, Ethan, for chiming in. Um, all right, let's, let's get on over um, finishing it out. So at receiver, uh, I also went to the mat for Jerry Judy, obviously didn't have to go quite um, as hard uh, to get him as, you know, some of the other more elite guys that the bigger purchases that, that I made, but even still uh, Judy, Judy went for 15. That was $3 less that, than what Mark Andrews went for. I, I kind of just piggybacked um, those two particular um, gets. Um, but I'm a little bit worried about my third receiver spot. I have, 
at my disposal, uh, both Brian Edwards. Now I have Paris, I have Paris Campbell too, which I feel a lot better about now. And then also, um, uh, Nicole Hardman. So it'll be hard to pick between those three on a given week. I feel like that that's kind of my biggest qualm, but I do have plenty of faith in all three of those guys individually. And then I have Michael Thomas, um, stashed as well. Yeah. I mean, if Thomas comes back to any measurable effect, then it should be a borderline clinching effect on your team uh, being among the best in the league. Cause I still think there's a way to make it work between a rotating cast, if necessary of Hardman, uh, Brian Edwards, Paris Campbell, maybe even some other guy who pops up over the waiver wire over the course of the year. It will be, like you said, difficult to know uh, ahead of time, which one might go off. And that Cleveland matchup for me, is so hard to figure out. Cause it's like, I don't think he's going to see Denzel Ward, but Maybe he will, maybe, maybe Kansas city just, uh, still doesn't use him that much more than last year. It's hard to know. I almost would be tempted, man. I guess Brian Edwards has a bad matchup though with the Ravens. It's going to be, it's going to be tough to figure out. There's something to think about there, but it, I guess the good news is you can expect above average contributions from pretty much all your other, uh, starting, um, units. So if you must take a hit there, you probably can. Yeah, I, I'm thinking around the same thing. Uh, you know, this is more just uh, theater of the mind, but but maybe Cleveland doesn't want to see Denzel Ward get his feelings hurt by by Tyreek Hill, and the, <laughs> um, so so then he they do end up sticking him on on Mikol. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting game to think about. I guess we got Week One coming up pretty quick now. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we're both Mikol defenders for the most part but it's, it's always you know the context is crucial with these takes and it's like i don't mean to say he's some kind of slam dunk or anything it's not that i i do think there's a way that he could have a worst case scenario of like azahir hakeem or something like that but until i see the Mikol critics start to speak of him in a way that is actually like if they start to speak of him in a way that demonstrates that they know basic facts about him then I'll start to get a little bit more nervous. But in the meantime, his haters are so nonsensical. I'm still pretty optimistic for him. I know. And, and you know, you, you look at the at the rash of uh, receivers that were taken before him in, in that um, that 2019 draft and, you know, Hakeem Butler. Yeah. Oh, right. But OK, so, yeah, I got to say so many people who hate Hardman just hate him because they're like uh they 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 wanted uh, DK Metcalf, which is understandable, but it's like not his fault and doesn't have anything to do with him. So there's a lot of people who just it's a coalition of people who spent too many early picks the last two years on him and are now pissed off at him, and people who had him ranked low in Devi rankings and hate him for going ahead of their favorite players. So it's like Hartman's got the world against him right now for some stupid reason, and I don't know. I'm rooting for him. I don't I don't find his critics to be particularly sympathetic yeah there's a yeah there's a weird through line there among the the uh, the so mad at this fourth year 22 year old receiver because he's not paying off in the sixth round of your draft like that's uh that's a you problem man for real and uh you know if nothing else uh look at his uh his get up walking into the 2019 or i guess the 2020 uh super bowl he's like a full-on air force outfit he's he's such a hard worker (laughs) i don't understand why people dislike him so much but uh Anyway, you want to see, I don't know if there's footage available, but one thing that I remember very vividly was watching Steve Smith, his rookie year, and he like fumbled a kickoff or something. And and I remember like Panthers might've been, the Panthers fans might've been like booing him or something. And the, the announcers were just like, ah, oh, this Steve Smith, I don't know what you can do with him. 
He's just a hothead. He he's talented, sure, but what can you do? He's just he just doesn't know how to play receiver. And then you know sometimes players aren't the same at age twenty one and twenty two as they are at twenty three and twenty four. And you know being fast and a hard worker certainly helps. Yeah, I remember uh, this is on the other side of the ball, but I remember being at a game Ed Reed's rookie year, and he was running a re- an interception back for a touchdown, and he held the ball out oh, and it got knocked a, out. He's doing and, the sand, the high, the yeah, high legs, and everything yes. too. <laughs> and and uh, it got knocked out of the end zone, and everyone's like, "Cut him, cut him!" Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't respect the game or anything, yeah. probably. He cost yeah. us six points against the Bengals. Unreal. Uh, as if he wouldn't go on to have like a thousand pick sixes against the Bengals and everybody but he did else. It the wrong way, John. That's he, right. He wasn't solemn enough when he did it. <laughs> yeah, you show less joy when you when you like do the ultimate achievement in your sport. He's depressed um, as me. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Looking around, you know, obviously we're we're at the at the later stage of draft season now, so I just wanted to toss out a, a couple um, interesting buys from this draft so Marquez Callaway who we kind of touched on earlier on the show or more so just merely mentioned uh, but he goes for 11 in this one and for context uh, that's the same as uh, Michael Gallup it's two dollars more than Michael Pittman as well so your thoughts when it comes to um, how the room read the value properly or improperly when it comes to, to Callaway. Callaway's a weird case and I like him overall like he, he was among the undrafted players last year, he was one of my favorites because he, at the time, I thought he was going to be a potential like outside-oriented wide receiver three because he was basically a deep route specialist at Tennessee, and he was really good at it. So I thought, you know, maybe he can't take big volume, but he can he can hurt teams on the sideline. He, he was like a pretty good athletic tester, nothing great, nothing bad. Uh, insofar as that projection goes, I don't think... Uh, it merits the hype that he's getting right now, but there is a chance that he's just the next Sean Payton guy at receiver. And if he wants Marquez Colston, not to take, you know, merit credit away from these guys, like Marquez Colston was a legitimately good player and Willie Sneed when he was there, Kenny Stills, when they were there, they were doing an actually good job. But the thing is Sean Payton can just kind of make a receiver way more productive than they should be if he chooses. And Callaway could be his choice. I don't, uh, it seems like the beat writers think so. Uh, I guess we'll see. I still think Traquan Smith will be like the better of the two, but it's it's only in a normal offense. If it's if it's Callaway gets the Thomas role and Traquan's still doing everything he's been doing, then yeah, Callaway's a smash value. If it's if it's more like we're back to square one, Traquan's here. We're gonna we're gonna give him a shot now. Then I think Traquan being bigger, faster, more productive in college. Uh, probably takes the lead, but I think they could both be really good choices because I don't have any faith in any non Kamara part of that offense, uh, that team really um, just the offensive line Kamara, those two receivers. I, I don't want anything to do with anybody else. No, that that's, that's fair. That's kind of how I've approached the, the offense for the most part. Um, I do have some Troutman. I even have him in, in this league, but you know, I, obviously, I just kind of went with like, like injury discount. Get, like some assurances on his injury and role. Yeah. Like if they don't use him, that would be so weird. Anyway, we'll we'll see. I, I think Troutman could be good. I just got discouraged by the Juwan Johnson talk. I guess. Yeah. No. That that's fair. And Juwan Johnson, what was a uh, five star recruit long, long ago? <laughs> yeah. He's like a. 
poor man's Ricky Seals Jones. Oh got a, man, got a build around him. Love I mean, that. I'm not buying the Juwan Johnson hype exactly. <laughs> okay, um, and then uh, looking elsewhere, some some other guys that that went for similar or even less. Uh, so Callaway ended up going for a buck more than Chase Claypool, um, and and three dollars more um, than one Kenny Galladay who went for eight. Yeah, I wanted to get Galladay. I I know that uh, the Giants are going to be ugly as hell, and I hate Daniel. I don't hate Dan. As a as a prospect, I hate Daniel Jones as much as anybody else. But Galladay is one of those guys who's like, as long as the quarterback chucks it at him, he'll he'll probably be pretty productive. And they need to chuck it at him as much as they can, basically, to get some semblance of value out of that contract. So, uh, can't hit the broad side of a barn, maybe. But I'm I'm hoping Kenny Galladay can uh still reel in a few of jones's downfield chucks this year and uh claypool more egregious yet i, I mean i like callaway it's 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 probably not going to be a buy that like hurts the team that paid for him but uh um it's, course, it's more like we, a, sh- a shame on the room uh, as yeah, a whole yeah yeah i mean if i hadn't mismanaged my funds apparently i could have done my part to correct some of these prices but i i couldn't because i didn't have the money to uh push my luck that way Yep, it's just it's uh to quote uh, Claypool that, a big steal though that's that's way too cheap on him. To quote Ray from uh, Trailer Park Boys, it's the way she goes, bud. So it's the way she goes, it's the freaking way she goes. But uh, that's gonna round things out uh, for this week or this Thursday edition of the Rotowire uh, NFL podcast tomorrow. I gotta say your hat does look very clean. I know we talked about um, the uh, you had it uh, in the in the wash when we recorded last week so yeah, looking good by the way the because the detergent got lodged in it the first time and uh, <laughs> i put it on and started to feel soapy before i realized oh no 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 <laughs> oh, can't have that yeah <laughs> well it, it looks pristine now we're ready you... we're ready to post we're ready to pod it's it's locked in let's until go next until i wash it next year so if, you, if you're listening only uh via audio check out the youtube that the hat does look phenomenal Don't look at the brewers logo if it's going to frighten you it's still a football podcast true true no that, that important to get that out there um as well but again that is going to do it for this edition of the rotowire nfl podcast again brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. andrew laird and scott jenstad will be rocking it out on friday and then Liz and jeff back on monday thanks for listening try rotowire today free for 10 days Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.